Don't worry kids, it's only 120 days to hit Newsblad. In the meantime, I'm Gary and this is the Saturday Supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivlavillo.cc. everybody welcome to another saturday supplement uh it seems like it's been an absolute age since i last spoke to you um over saturday um yeah what's been happening then come on fill me in um cycling legends podcast at gmail.com send me the news um no there hasn't there has been stuff happening in this the uh the closed season um after yeah everything stopped but i guess the big news in the last the last week has been that day on Wednesday that the Tour de France route uh, and the Tour de France fam of Exwift route were both uh, announced in Paris. Um, lots of speculation beforehand that the uh, the, the TDFF um, would go up up Duez, um, and we were not to be disappointed. The speculation came true. Um, I, we'll start with the Tour de France fam, um, which kicks off in Rotterdam or anywhere um, and ends. On the Alpe d'Huez, which is going to be a cracking race, I think. Um, it rolls out on Monday the 12th of August, the glorious 12th, um, which is actually the day after the Olympic closing ceremony in Paris. Um, so both races um, are basically avoid Paris this year. Um, yeah, it, It's a controversial talking point, but it's not really because the Champs-Élysées is shut um, and Paris is shut and, you know, the gendarmerie and so on are... Um, going to be overwhelmed, so to actually stick a three-week stage race anywhere near Paris, um, or a, you know a one-week stage race, is just mental. So it's not quite the break from tradition that we're everybody's talking about, but yeah, it's. Uh, so the women's race starts um, in Rotterdam. We have eight stages over seven days of racing. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. Controversial, um, but we've got four flat stages. It's actually with three flat stages. We've got two hilly stages, um, two mountain stages and one individual time trial. Um, the race, um, Monday the 12th, starting in Rotterdam with a 124km flat stage to The Hague. Um, it's, you know, put in your own criminal jokes there. Um, stage 2 and 3 are on the same day. Um, this, you know, this is possibly because there's a bit of controversy. Um, it is a, a split stage in all but name, um, but it'd be pretty much bad optics having only seven full stages so stages 2a and 2b um but stage two um in the the, the morning of the, the tuesday is a 67 kilometer flat stage from Dordrecht to rotterdam uh, followed by a 6.3 kilometer individual time trial um so yeah um that's interesting um but amazing facts uh from the saturday supplement is did you know the first split stage in tour history was actually 1934. So this is actually the 90th anniversary of... It's not actually a split stage, but it is really. Um, stage 21A in 1934 was a 97 kilometer road stage from La Rochelle to La Roche-sur-Yon, um, which was uh, won by René Legreve, uh, which was his fifth of 16 career stage wins. And his fourth of that year's race. There you go. These are the facts, kids. Um, stage 21B was a 90 kilometer individual time trial to Mont Note, um, who was which was won by the guy who'd worn the yellow jerseys in stage two, Antonin Magny, um, on his way to his second overall tour win. First tour win in 1931, I believe. So there you go. Um I don't know if the stages two and three will be quite as historic or um 
certainly not as long as those, um, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out on the same day. Um, stage four is going to be a cracker, uh, Valkenburg to Liège, 122km stage. Um, it is Armstrong Gold, it is Liège-Bastogne-Liège. Um, we've got the Colberg, we've got La Redoute, we've got Rochefaucon. It's going to be a good one, that one. Um, that has Lotta Kopecky written all over it, uh, but there's a fair chance that uh, Lotta Kopecky won't be at the Tour de France farm this year. Um, she's already stated that she intends to add, um, or at least aim to add, an Olympic Omnium title to her rainbow jersey in that discipline. She also holds it for the point race as well. Um, and the race is, or the, the tour kicks off the day after the Olympic Omnium race, which is also um, on the final day of the Olympics themselves. Um, and she's told Belgian TV that her dreams lie more than in the, than in the Spring Classic. Um, than they do the tour, so conceivably uh, we're going to see no rainbow jersey at the Tour de France farm this year, which is a shame, but it's equally understandable. Um, stage five um, is a lumpy stage. F- uh, sorry, is a flat stage, 150 kilometers from Bastogne to Amnaville, um, as the race comes back into France. Five starts outside of France, uh, which is ruffling a few feathers, and amongst the the feathers who are easily ruffled, um, I don't see a big issue with it. Um, I'll chat about that in a second. Um, to the mo- or to the mountains in stage seven. Stage six first uh, from uh, Remiremont to Morteau is a lumpy stage, um, and stage seven we hit um, the mountains for the first of two stages in this from Champagnol to Le Grand Bernard, um, 167 kilometer with five categorized climbs and obviously a summit uh, finish on the Le Grand Bernard itself. Um, if memory serves, race finished there in 2021, or was it 2020? Um, Anna van der Breggen and um, Annemiek van Vluten. Um, so yeah, we're looking for a good stage there. And then the the the, the main event, um, the, the event that the previous seven stages have been leading up to. Um, stage from Le Grand Bornard um, to L'Alpe d'Huez. Um, 150 kilometre stage, um, taking in the Col de Glondon as well, which is a mere 19 and a bit kilometres at 7.2 kilometres, um, before descending to Bourdoison um, and then climbing the Alp itself. So we're going to see, uh, I hope we're going to see fireworks from the off. I mean, uh, for all the, the the perceived faults of the Tour de France farm at the moment, which is still, you know, this is the third running of the race, so it's effectively in its infancy. Um, and all the complaints that it's too short, etc., etc., etc. One of the great things about it is that it's racing from the word go. GC, every day is a GC day in some way, shape, or form. Um, so we're n- nobody's going to be keeping their powder dry to uh, you know, to stages seven and eight because I don't think there's any scope to do that. There's too much to risk um, on days like that. So I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think we're going to see, you know, as I say, racing from the flag drop in Rotterdam. Um, did we expect more? Now, I, I talked about this in, in previous um, Saturday supplements and the feed zone as well. And we talk about, well, actually, women should have a two-week stage race or you know, a 10-day stage race or so. Um, should we have had more racing at more stages this this year, this coming year in 2024? Um, possibly. Um, but we've also heard that there are some riders who doubt the wisdom in doing that right now um, because of the impact that it puts on teams and the logistics and so on and so forth. Um, and if you combine that with the fact that summer 2024 is basically the worst time ever to try and hold another sporting event in France and certainly you know, a, multi-day, a multi-stage race, um, 
I think it's maybe perceived um, that the you know, what we are sorry maybe the, the perceived shortcuts or the the perceived deficiencies in this uh, the 2024 race are actually the only way to have a race worthy of those who race it um, next season. Um, as I said, stage four had a lot of Kapeki written over, but she's possibly not going to be there. Um, apart from that, are there other downsides to to the the twenty twenty four Tour de France fam of victors? I don't think so. Um, it's rare that I am excited about a race um, this far out. Was it nine months? Um, and you know, I think it's going to be great. Um, I guess you could say the rate there would be shortchanged a little bit next year. Nine hundred forty-six kilometers um, versus nine hundred and sixty last year. Um, but I think the you know the the circumstances of twenty twenty-four and Paris and everything else that's happening across France. Um, I think that's we, we could forgive um, the organisation um, on this occasion. Um, twenty twenty-five. Obviously, we want a four-week race and so on and so. On, but no, um, the race continues to grow, um, and I think adapting to to you know meet the uh, the I mean, the global situation that it faces the the, the Olympic Games. Um, I said on Twitter to somebody that Hongri uh, de Grange may still yet have some pull in Paris, but uh, Pierre de Coubertin. Um, has it even more so the Olympics are always going to win here I think um, it's, it's on a national scale but um, you know come the glorious 12th of August next year um, we're all going to be gagging for it as John Galloway used to say um, and, and I am no different After the presentation of Le Tour de France Femme of Exwift, we had the, obviously the mind-numbing um, speeches from the the Mayor of Rotterdam and various great and good of cyclists. Um, but, cut to the chase, it shows the map um, and the Tour de France OM, as we should probably call it, um, was announced just uh, last Wednesday as well. Same ceremony. Um, eight flat stages, four hilly stages, seven mountain stages, two t- individual time trials, um, 59 kilometres in total. I think it's that Remco friendly. Um, 32 kilometres of gravel, which we'll talk about. In total, our race is just shy of 3,500 kilometres. Um, the main talking point um, obviously is the finish in Nice on the 21st of August rather than the Champs-Élysées which you know is going to be closed as I said um, And but the final stage is 34 kilometre individual time trial from Monaco to Nice um, over amongst other things the cold days um, so yeah we're you know, <laughs> I think the ASO have bet, bet everything on this being uh, well actually it's it's the 35th anniversary of uh, 1989 and uh, Greg Lemong's 8-second victory over Laurent Fignon. Um, again, a, another foreign start, a grande partenza uh, in Florence in Italy on the 29th of June, heading over the Apennine Mountains to Rimini uh, on the opening stage, and then going to take in uh, Marco Bantani's hometown of Cesenatico the following day. Um, third stage, good sees the race go from Piacenza up to Turin before... The only way you can get into France from there is via the Alps, um, and this will be for the first time in the race. Um, and, you know, stage four has the trifling matter of Sestrier and the, the Galibier before uh, finally arriving in Valois, um, which should be a very interesting stage for this early in the race. Um, if you've looked at the, the map, um, the race follows a loosely anti-clockwise route, heads east-north, east of north-west, is it? Is it north of the... Uh, 
northwest, but in a bit, bit more northerly um, to its actually to its most northerly stop, uh, and actually the closest it gets to Paris in Troy in stage nine, which um, we'll chat about in a second. Um, but before that, however, um, we've got the first individual time trial, the twenty-five k um, on stage seven. Um, from Louis Saint Georges to uh, Gavrishombri, uh, which sound kind of like you know railway stations, sort of. Um, and we've got uh, sprint stages either side of that. But stage nine is another talking point. Um, uh, from Troy back to Troy, um, 199 kilometer lump fest through the the vineyards of Champagne. Um, cue the sailor song. Um, look it up, kids. Um, no fewer than 14 gravel sections, totaling, as I said earlier, 32 kilometres. Um, Thierry Gouvenu, uh, the race designer, um, told L'Equipe, um, although GCN are probably claiming that he told them, uh, told them that too. Um, check Ned Bolting's Twitter if you're not aware of that little spat. Um, he said we had to come up with something different. Um, and he did. Um, but... Uh, Patrick Lefebvre and uh, Roger Pluge, amongst others, um, are not impressed. Um, and, you know, I'm, I have mixed feelings about gravel stages being added in the Tour de France. Um, yeah, yeah, in 1903, the roads were the same. There's no tarmac in 1903, Gary. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're still running with derailleur gears now, so come on. Um, it'll be interesting to see that it's that stage in the race, it throws up, you know, it adds the element of chance, um, which I think uh, both Lefebvre and Pluga um, were not particularly chuffed about. And, you know, you, you can't control um, a stage like that. And, you know, it's difficult enough if you're a GC, GC team trying to, to control a race over 21 stages, but when you throw in gravel um, and who knows what the weather might be like, you, you'd expect it to be dry um, and fairly bright and warm, but who knows? Um, but it would be it would be a shame to see GC hopes um, scuppered because of um, something happening in a stage that early. By the same token, you know, you've got to be in it to be in it and you need to have a bit of luck to win the race. Um, so, yeah, why not? We'll wait and see. And probably after Strada Bianchi at the start of the season, I'll be, yeah, bring it, bring the gravel. Um, after the first rest day, stage 10 sees the start of what's a reasonably flat transition to the Pyrenees. Um, stage 11, throwing up some categorised mountains on the road from Evoliban to Lioran, um, and then they arrive in Po, well, where else, um, on stage 13. The penultimate day of week two sees the riders tackle the Tourmalet and the Plaid de Day in stage 14, and then stage 15 essentially starts at the foot of the Perisord, um, throws them up the Col de Porte d'Aspe, um, and finishing on the Plateau de Bay. So, um, yeah, nice, a nice end to the second week, isn't it, before, uh, before the rest day? Um, flat stage um, after the rest day before stage 17 to the ski resort at Super de Valley, uh, which reminds everybody that the Alps haven't gone away. Um, more hills from Gap to Barcelonette uh, the following day before stage 19 basically kills any lingering last day for the sprinters' romanticism. Stage 19 was always usually a bit of flat one, last day for Cav. Um... And it's a trip to the highest road in France uh, before descending um, to go up to another ski resort, that Isla 2000. Um, and if you want to think deep existential thoughts about the pointlessness of a bike race, um, we're now only about five kilometres um, from the Italian border, um, which was where we came in in stage four. Um, 
So there you go. And so, however, to the finale, stage 20, um, is a 133km um, schlep. That is a schlep. I don't think there's enough time um, to call it a schlep um, from Nice, which we'll be saying see again tomorrow, um, to the summit finish of the Col de la Quillo um, and the trifling inconvenience of the Cols de Brau, the Turini and the Colmian um, along the way. And it's really a Paris-Nice greatest hit stage, isn't it? Um, and continuing that theme, stage 21 is the final uh, time trial, 34 kilometres on Sunday the 21st of July from Monaco over the 8 kilometre, 5.6% La Tourbie, um, again familiar to all Paris-Nice followers, um, followed by the short uh, 1.6 kilometres and sharp 8.1% Coldez. Um, the saving grace for the riders is that all the climbing is basically done in the first half, the first 17 kilometres of the race, uh, before <laughs> freewheeling, obviously, um, down into Nice uh, for a bottle of beer and a glass of champagne. Um, I don't know what to make of the route. It is really different. Um, but then, is it? Um, we've seen um, in the last year or so a shift to to stages that are going to entertain. Yes, it is the Netflix generation. Um, and I think it's going to be uh, a race where GC, again, we said with the women's race, but even over the three weeks of the tour, um, there could be stuff, not necessarily stuff happening in terms of the, the race standings, but sort of for GC teams just having to be attentive. I mean, stage nine, obviously. Um, but we've also got, you know, the two... You know, decent length time trials. You know, there's no prologue and there's none of this 6.3-kilometre um, nonsense that uh, the, the, the organisers have saddled the women's race with. Um, but you're going to have to be alert um, from the world goal. Um, it could be a race for the ages. I genuinely think that. Um, and, and yet we said that at this year's tour before Pogacar's bad day. We said it at the Vuelta. <laughs> Um, and so you know Remco Evenepoel had a bad day and, to, and then that became a race for the ages for other reasons um, but come come the end of June um, and we know more about you know, certainly the, the, the finals of a lot of these stages how technical they are as they come in and so on um, I think again we're looking at yet another classic Tour de France And so it makes me wonder, um, we're now looking ahead to next season, but what actually do riders do in the off-season? Um, obviously, social media um, is, is full of you know, riders on holiday, um, riders riders getting married. Um, congratulations to uh, Jumbo Visma's Rihanna Marcus, um, who got married. Um, so congratulations to her and her new husband, uh, Jasper Ucleon. Um, who, amongst other things, runs a sock company. That's an interesting one. Um, also to Alex Dowsett. Um, yeah, he's he's retired, but he's a, such a nice guy, and I'm also reading his book. Um, Alex Dowsett married his longtime partner, Chanel Harris, in this past month. Um, if you're Canyon Sram's Tiff Cromwell, you travel the world hawking gin and wine to people. That's great. I like that. Um, Oath gin. Um, I don't know if it's available in Scotland or in the UK, but, um, you know, I'm a sucker for uh, advertising from cyclists and obviously Tiff Cromwell um, has a, um, a her squeezes a Valtteri Bottas Formula 1 driver um, who once drove for Williams so he's a good guy as far as I'm concerned um, also if you're Cass Cassia Nivia Doma or Matty Mohoric you then simply become the Gravel World Champion 
um, which, like that other off-season favourite, you know, the Christmas jumper, you probably only get to wear that once, don't you? Anyway, what also happens in the off-season is the Velo d'Or, which is uh, one of the most prestigious um, awards in cycling, if not the most prestigious um, award. It's uh, L'Equipe's Glitzy End of Season Awards Evening in Paris, uh, which took place last Tuesday ahead of um, the, uh, the the route reveal um, of the both tours. Um, the be- the Velo d'Or itself is awarded to the riders voted to be the best all-rounders. No, not the best all-rounder like that. British time trialists. Um, and this year's second ever uh, awarding of the women's um, award went with we, we, we no surprise to SD Works' Demi Vollering. Um, and I thought a little more surprisingly, I have issues, um, Jumbo Visma's Jonas Vingigo. Um Best all-round rider of the season? Hmm. Come back to that. Um, there was also Le Trophy Eddie Merckx, um, which is the uh, award for the best classics rider, um, which for the women's award went to Lotte Capecchi, which, you know, you absolutely have no issues there. She won you know, 14 races and 34 starts, um, which is an incredible statistic. Um, similarly, your Demi Vollering won 17 out of 47. Two of those are, are, are GC wins. Um, but let's look at the stats for the men. I have problems. Jonas Vingegaard, 15 wins from 67 starts, and a couple of those are GC, at least two are GC wins. Um, Taddy Pogacar, 49 starts, 17 wins. You know, there's a... That's a... Um, infinitely more... It's not infinitely. Um, it's statistically more impressive uh, kill ratio... Um, if you like, for for a, a one-day rider. Remco Evenepoel, 13 from 68. Um, all of those are... Yeah, Remco's not as good as Vingo in the wider scheme of things, but Taddy Pogaccia surely had... You know, he was second in the rankings, but to give it to Vingo, wearing his, you know, his turtleneck sweater and looking a bit like uh, Constantine from the, the Muppets Most Wanted. Sorry. Sorry, Denmark. Thought we'd put that one to bed. Um, but it was just... Uh, you know, you win the Tour de France. You, you don't have to win the Tour de France, but it helps. Um, and that's kind of what it's like. I, mm, I, I have issues. Um, n- not with Vingegaard, it sounds like I do, but just with, with these things. As I say, cycling, you know, our biases and so on are all down to personalities and, and none more so than mine. Um, you know, the only thing Vingegaard's ever done to offend me or be a bit of an enigma and, you know, Right for Jumbo Visma, whose kit I don't like. So that's that's you know that's how much uh, intelligence I apply to my my prejudices. Um, the the, the trophy Eddie Merckx, um, you know, going to to Matthew Van der Poel again was a bit iffy. A classics, you know, he only won six races at forty six. Okay, one of them was the World Championship, one was Milan San Remo, and one was Paris Roubaix. So yeah, they're probably the two classics you want to win. Um, but Pagacha was there. Yeah, the pole was there. Yeah, okay. I guess we're going to have to. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to disagree and disagree with me, aren't you? Um, and that's okay. That's you know that, that's what grown-ups do, or even me. So this has been the Saturday Supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivlavello.cc, performance cycles and accessories from North Ferriby in the beautiful East Riding of Yorkshire. Um, we're really grateful to Ed um, and the team uh, at Vivlavello for supporting us um, over the, 
you over the last season and continue to do so. And uh, you can check out their range of bikes and kit uh, on the website or yeah, if you're in the area, drop in and tell them we sent you. Um, it's back to business uh, for the Cycling Legends team. You'll be you'll be pleased, hopefully pleased to hear. Um, I on the the premium feed, I will be joined by Chris and David uh, on Sunday for the latest feed zone, um, and we're going to have interviews and features throughout the off season on the feed too. Yeah, how can you miss us if we won't go away? Um, if you haven't signed up for the premium content, give us a try. Go on. It's only £3.50 a month and you, you can cancel at any time. You can also check out some of the premium content that we've got um, on the on the, the public feeds as well, um, whether that's Spotify, iTunes or Sound. Um, where else are we? Audible, all sorts of places now. Amazon, um, it's pretty cool. Um, check them out first. You know, we've we've got interview Claire Steele. We've got feature on um, Fabio Casatelli. Then we're talking about the Col de Porte d'Aspe at the tour for next year. Um, the scene of his his tragic uh, death. And um, we've got we've got interviews with Andy Hampstead. It's it's so on. So you know, have a look. Free to try, but yeah, give us a give us a go. Um, and hopefully you won't regret it. So, in oh, hang on, what's hang on? It's not quite the the close season. Is it? What's on this weekend then? Um, we have round two of the Track Champions League um, in Berlin on Saturday. Um, round one was last week in Palma, Mallorca. Um, really good track race, really punchy, and really um, shows just how boring a track World Cup is. Nations League, isn't it? They call it. Um, the Nations League weekends can be. Um, so there's none of that Friday night dead time, which is Saturday, boom, 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 you know, endurance sprint, endurance sprint. It's great. Check it out if you haven't done so. It's on uh, GCN and on Eurosport as well. Um, Cyclocross is back. Um, Super Prestige from Ruderwoda in Belgium uh, on Saturday. Um, and Mas Mechelen for the Cyclocross World Cup. Um, is that round two, round three? We've had the um, American round, so it's round two, I think. Um, worth your time as well. In the meantime, thanks very much for joining me. Um, once we're, we're back in the saddle, <laughs> see what we did there um, with with the podcast. Um, and I will speak to you again next week on the Saturday Supplement from the Cycling Legends Podcast, powered by VivaVelo.cc. Cheers.